faith and life. For some people, they're parallel roads. They never come into contact with each other. One never influences the other. Yet for some other people, faith and life are more like intersecting roads. Often they're running opposite each other, but where they do intersect, wonderful God moments can be experienced. But yet for just a few, the two roads merge into one, and the results are truly a highway to heaven. What does the road of faith and life look like in your world? We have over the last few weeks been doing this message series called Biblical Battles and been looking at uh, some different uh, battles that we see from uh, Scripture. And this morning, I want to continue with that theme. And the battle that I want to talk to you about this morning is the battle of all battles. It is the, um, it's the battle that will take place on the final, uh, the final day. It's the battle of Armageddon, the battle between good and evil. Uh, because that's really what Easter's about, is, uh, is, is good being victorious over evil. And what I want to challenge you about this morning as we celebrate Easter, and as we talk about uh, this final battle that is still yet to come, I want to challenge you, do you know the difference between good and evil? Because chances are, like, we're sitting in here thinking, yeah, I, I know the difference between good and evil. Uh, but sometimes it's not quite that easy, and it's not quite that simple. Um, a war broke out a couple months ago, uh, the first major war in Europe um, in the last 80 years. And it seems really obvious to most that, you know, there's a side of good and th that there's a side of evil. Um, to most, it, it appears like there's a, uh, a cold-hearted dictator that is trying to exert his will um, on the Ukraine and, and maybe rebuild some of the glory days of, uh, of the Soviet Union. It, it would seem that way, and there's some truth to that for sure. But if you also look at it, that same uh, maybe cold-hearted, brutal dictator, uh, he also has some concerns because he's, his concerns is what have become of the West. And what he doesn't want is the liberalism of the West to uh, indoctrinate his own people in his own country. Because see, here in the West, we kind of gotten confused in the last 30 years or so. We forgot what marriage is, even though we knew it for thousands of years Family has been redefined, and we're not even sure what gender is anymore. And if you understand his actions through that, then maybe there's some kind of truth in that as well. The, the point is this, and it's been kind of the theme throughout this biblical battle uh, message series, is, is that things aren't always as clear as what they seem. There's this concept called the fog of war, and when we're in the fog of war, sometimes things that appear to be good aren't necessarily good, and sometimes things that appear to be evil are, are, aren't necessarily evil. Scripture tells us that, in fact, it's more than just a battle that's going on between Russia and Ukraine or battles that break out in our world. There's a battle that all of us in here are part of right now that kind of skews our perspectives on things. It's a spiritual battle. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 with me. For our struggle, that is our battle, 
It's not against flesh and blood. You see, it would appear that it's a battle between, say, Russia and the Ukraine or, or the different countries that, that fight on this earth. But, but it's not simply a battle against flesh and blood. What it is is it's a battle against rulers. It's against authorities and it's against the powers of this world's darkness. And what it is is a battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so as we are in this war, uh, it's a war for, for our own salvation. This war is raging around us. We don't realize it, but a spiritual battle is taking place. And that spiritual battle is confusing what we know and understand as good and as evil. We see it even in this country, and, and, and uh, we so oftentimes assign uh, good to certain things that we're used to, uh, even as Americans. You know, uh, you hear a lot of talk amongst uh, conservative Christians these days about uh, the demise of democracy in America. Like, somehow democracy is, is either good or, or that's how most would see it, is that it's good and it's of God. But when you look back at the Bible, God is not democratic. You know, democracy can be good, but what about when the people of the democracy are evil? How is democracy good? And, and we live in a country now where more people are not Christian than are Christian. And when the majority are not Christian, when the majority are against God or opposed to God and are evil, how is democracy good? We're used to this concept of free speech as being something that's good, but I'm here to tell you God's not about free speech. God's about truth and what reality is. In fact, you can see at the very beginning, Satan used free speech to confuse mankind to fall into sin. So we, we lift up free speech as some sort of like a godly thing, but, but God's not about free speech. God is about truth speech. In fact, now more than ever, uh, it's so easy to be confused uh, about, you know, what is reality and what is not, just as people give their own version of truth and, and so forth. Uh, we're able to confuse people just by um, uh, videos that, that impersonate to be people that, that, that aren't really them, uh, to try to get us to believe that someone says something or something does something. When you think about free speech, think about that. I'm going to play, we're going to play in just a second a short clip for you. So let me set this up by saying, um, Joe, my worship leader, he uh, invested in this technology that um, it, it can take my speech. And when I, when I maybe misspeak or maybe when the, the, the mic cuts out, um, as he posts this stuff online, it, it's able to kind of correct what it is that I say or correct what the microphones pick up. But it's not me speaking. And so I'm about to play for you a four-second clip of something I never said. Okay, go ahead. I may just be a computer, but I can preach a way better sermon pastor than I can preach. Kind of scary. I did not say any of that. I had to sign a waiver before he like, started utilizing the software, because basically Joe now has the ability to make me say whatever he wants me to say. Is that free speech? Is that good? You know, in the West, we talk about, you know, human rights and human rights as being, you know, something that is good. You know what? We've taken that to an extreme that, that we claim rights that God never intended us to have as humans according to his law and his commandments. But you see, all these things in our minds seem like it's a, it's a matter of good and evil. But once again, it, it, it's not as clear as it seems. 
Because God is not a Republican and God's not a Democrat. God's not a, a for Russia and God's not for America. God is for what's good and for what's right. And, and uh, for a lot of us in here, we, we tend to confuse these issues. In fact, what scripture says is that as, you, as, as society gets closer to the end times, what's going to happen is people are going to f- confuse good and evil, and they're going to call things that are good, you know, good, what it is is it's really evil, and they'll call things that are evil, and, and what it is is it's really good. In fact, this warning goes back all the way to the times of the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. But woe! Woe to those who will call evil good and good evil, who turn darkness into light and light into darkness. So my question to you is, do you know the difference between good and evil? And how do you know? Do you know it because like you just have this feeling, like you hear something, it's like, no, that seems right or that doesn't? Do you know the difference between good and evil because, you know, it's, it's what you and your friends kind of think or, or it's just kind of become normal? Because I'm going to challenge you with this is that so much has become normal in, in, in the world in which we live that all of us in here that we're doing and we're believing things that we think are good, but actually it's evil. The only way that we can know the difference between good and evil is ultimately upon the word of God because God and God alone is good. So I mentioned to you that on this Easter Sunday, this Sunday of, of good triumphing, triumphing over evil, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Battle of Armageddon. So uh, the Battle of Armageddon, it's a battle of all battles. Um, it's talked about in Revelation 16. And when it talks about this battle in Revelation 16, it says all the kings of the earth will gather together and will oppose the, the, the remnant, the remaining, the, the children of God that are on the earth. Now, we have in our mind, it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to be king against king. It's going to be the Russians, and then the Americans are going to be the ones kind of fighting for you. No, it says all the kings of the earth, all of the governments will oppose who's remaining in terms of the faithful ones of God. It's not going to be a really close battle, or it's not going to appear to be, because guess what? All the kings of the earth, they're the ones with all the crazy weapons, All the kings of the earth, they'll have the nuclear weapons, they'll have the chemical weapons, and whatever weapons are still to be developed, it's going to be all of of the governments, all of the kings, against the remaining children of God. And so what it's going to look like is when we get to that final battle, that that ultimately uh, the followers of God, Christianity, will be snuffed out. But you see, when God's involved in the battle, things don't always turn out the way that you, you, you think they would. That's why I've really enjoyed doing this message series, Biblical Battles, because we see crazy things in these battles in the Bible. We talked the first week about in this one battle, Moses just raises his arms. And when Moses' arms are raised, all of a sudden Israel's winning. And when Moses' arms drop, they're not. Now, what in the world does that have to do with the army fighting? Nothing, because really it's not the army fighting, it's God fighting for the people of Israel. We looked last week at the Battle of Jericho in, in, in this impenetrable city that Israel had to, to, to conquer. And, and how does God have them do it? He, he just has a march around the city once a day. And on the seventh day of doing that, march around it seven times and then shout. And then we see that the, the walls of the, the city just crumble down and Israel's able to, uh, to invade it. Israel should not have been able to win that war, but because God fought with them and God fought for them, they did. 
In an upcoming week, we're going to be looking at this battle in which uh, Israel's going against an army of like around 10,000 people. And, and Israel starts with a multi-thousand member army, but God's like, hey, that's way too much. And he's going to whittle that army down to 300. And you're going to see that that army of 300 will defeat an army of 10,000. Why? Because it's not about the army fighting. It's about God who goes before them. So it will be during the battle of Armageddon. So it will be in that very last day. It, it doesn't look like it's even going to be a fight. In fact, think about it in today's understanding. I mean, everyone thought the Ukraine would fall in like three days. But here we are two months later, and they're still more than holding their own. Now, I'm not saying, and I can't say, you know, how God's involved in that, but God's involved in anything. And I'm just here to tell you that, that when God's involved, even, even a superpower, even all the kings of the earth gather together against a few, they will not be victorious. And we see, in fact, that's how it turns out because it's talked about in Revelation 16 and we kind of hear how it turns out in Revelation 19. Look at Revelation 19, 11 to 21. And I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Now with justice he judges and wages war. And his eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And he's dressed in a robe dripped and dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. And the armies of heaven were following behind him and riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Now coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, which he will strike down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepresses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in a loud voice to all the birds that were flying midair. Come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, of generals, and the mighty, of the horses and of the riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. And at that moment I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. Now with these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all of the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. That final and great battle, it won't even be close. The birds of the air feasting on the flesh of those who fall before God and his righteousness. It will be a day in which good defeats evil once and for all. You know, we're celebrating Easter this morning, and we kind of confuse what it is that we're celebrating, don't we? I mean, let's be honest. Easter for many of us is, uh, you know, something like a rabbit having like chicken eggs, right? Talk about confusing. 
Easter, you know, for many people, it's about the spirit of spring. It's about, you know, pastels. It's about a good ham. Easter is about this generic message that God loves and accepts all people. I'm here to tell you that's none of this is none of these are the, the meaning of what Easter is. Easter, the meaning of Easter is this is that good has triumphed over evil. And as a result of good triumphing, triumphing over evil, um, we all have certainty and hope that our sins have been forgiven and we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. That and that alone is what Easter is about. But, you know, I'm sitting here trying to tell you that evil's been defeated, but I, I get where a lot of you are thinking. You're kind of probably thinking, if Easter's been defeated, I'm sorry, if evil's been defeated, um, then, then why is there still so much evil in this world? Because when we look around, there's, there's a lot of evil. So if, if Jesus defeated evil, uh, you know, uh, on Good Friday and Easter, why is it still there? I have to tell you, like, I spent a good part of the, the, the first few months of this year, you know, dealing with my father whose Alzheimer's had gotten progressively worse. And I went there for three weeks in, uh, in February. And, and as I watched him dying, I, I literally was thinking, wow, uh, this is a messed up world. You know, every morning when he would wake up, uh, nine, you know, 80% of the time he didn't even know who I was, but he, whether or not he knew who I was or not, I mean, he still thought like he could just get up and walk. That he would start his day and, and that he'd go out to his truck and, and start driving. And, and every morning, and honestly, not every morning, but, you know, with Alzheimer's, you, you forget what happened a few minutes before. You know, all throughout the day, you know, just kind of thinking in your mind, all right, it's time to get up and go. And as you try to get up and go, you can't even stand. And to have to relive that, like, hundreds of times a day. It just seems so cruel and it seems so wicked to no longer be able to control your, your, your uh, going to the bathroom and, and, and have to be you know, cleaned up and all of the things that happen as part of this disease. To watch it, it, it seems evil and it seems cruel. And it's really easy to sit there and think, you know, it, it doesn't look like evil's been defeated. Some of you in here have received your own bad news within the last year and it appears that you're maybe getting closer to uh, your last days than, than what you would like. And as you consider that, maybe it's a little difficult to understand that evil's been defeated. You know, when we hear stories coming out of the Ukraine and uh, Russian soldiers uh, shooting, you know, people that are just riding their bikes or um, having them kneel before them and execute them or raping the women, it, man, it does not look like evil's been destroyed. Crime increasing in most American cities. It doesn't seem like evil's been defeated. In this country, we're losing our liberties, and it certainly doesn't feel like evil's been defeated. Even Christian churches are losing their ability to preach and teach what God's Word says. It doesn't appear that, that evil's been defeated. Children not able to, to vote, not able to drink alcohol, not able to smoke, not able to get a tattoo can, like, block their hormones and choose to change their gender. That just doesn't seem like evil's been defeated. Some of us are unable to get a job because we weren't the right sex for the job or maybe not the right ethnicity for whatever uh, they were looking for for that job. It doesn't seem like evil's been defeated. And if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with mental health, if you're struggling with spiritual health, it's real easy to think, you know what, that's great, Pastor Greg, that you say evil's been defeated. But from my perspective, when I look around, it doesn't appear that evil is defeated. 
For most of us in here, it appears that evil is alive and well. But I want to encourage you that even though it appears that evil is alive and well, that doesn't mean that evil has been defeated. Evil has been defeated. How do we know? Because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. That was the defeat of evil. But it's not until that battle of Armageddon that it's going to be removed. In fact, when one side loses, they're normally still around even after they lose. But after they lose, they're normally a little bitter about losing and they'll oftentimes lash out about losing. And that's where we are with evil today. It's been defeated. It's just a little bitter about it and it's lashing out about it and we experience that in our lives, don't we? Now, until that day, that final battle of Armageddon in which it's, it's removed from the people of God, we have a choice in how we see this world. You can choose to see the, the world through, the, through Christ and his death and his resurrection, or you can choose to see the world through um, uh, the apparent evil that's all around us. You know, maybe we, we have a significant moral failing or maybe someone that we really care about has a significant moral failing. You can look at the evilness of your actions or of their actions, and that's one way you can look at it, or you can also look at it through the cross and the empty grave and say, wow, thank God I've got a God who forgives me or forgives my loved one even in the midst of their significant sins. You know, as you are facing maybe the, the imminent death of a loved one or, or maybe your own, you can sit there and focus on, on feeling sorry for yourself or fe- feeling sorry for them or the sting of death. Or you can sit there and, and focus on the fact that, wow, how great is it that we've got a God who came into this earth and suffered and died so that even though when we die and even though when our loved one dies, you know, we have hope and certainty of, of eternal life and we will see them again someday. You know, as we're going through life, we're getting smacked around by life all the time. There's all these setbacks, and and we can really kind of feel sorry for ourselves. We can really sit there and and blame this and blame that and and just feel really bitter about what's going on. Or we can sit here and remind ourselves that, you know what, it's not about this world, that that the cross and the empty grave is that God's given us a far better place, and, and it's that heavenly home that we're supposed to look forward to, not the things of this earth. When you're not necessarily feeling like you're good enough, when the people around you maybe make you feel like you're not, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can drown yourself in drinking and pills and all those other things, or you can remember the cross and the empty grave in which you know you're good enough because God came for you and for me because we are good enough and we are enough according to him. Look, I mean, I can go on and on. The point, the choice is yours. Do you want to look through life through the evil that's still here? Do you want to look at it through the victory that we have on the cross? I mean, I get it. In many respects, life seems so uncertain. Why? Because of pain? Because of hurt, life seems so uncertain. Because of suffering, life seems so uncertain. Because of evil, because of death, it all seems so uncertain at times, doesn't it? You know what? We might be unemployed by the end of the week. It it, it might happen. There's that uncertainty, it seems, in life. Someone you love might be killed by a drunken driver in the next couple weeks. It could happen. The reality is, is like, I might get arrested for some of the things that I say as a pastor before the end of my career as a minister. I get it. We saw, like, up north, when you, like, try to protest against the government, that they'll just come and take your money, freeze your bank accounts. 
I get there's uncertainty. We saw in this country for a while, it was starting to look like maybe some of us wouldn't be allowed to buy and sell because how we chose to live our lives. There's a great amount of uncertainty in that, isn't there? Let's face it. There's powers a lot stronger than each and every one of us in here that have the ability to make our lives living hells, literally. But just because all of that exists doesn't mean that there's uncertainty in life. Because we do have certainty, and the certainty is is that we're not living for this life, but we're living for the life that is to come. And I'm here to tell you that the way that that you are controlled, and we saw this perfectly over the last couple of years, is how do you control a people? You control a people by making them uncertain about what the future holds. If you can make them uncertain about what the future holds, you can make them do whatever it is that you want. And I'm here to tell you that that is how Satan is going to be working on you and I. As we're in this time in which the victory has been one in Christ. The only thing that he has left is to feed you and I with uncertainty, to control you and I with certainty, uncertainty, because that's, that's what we will respond to. He's going to make some of us concerned about, like, how long we're going to live, and, and if we think we can live longer, you know, we'll change our behaviors because we just value life on this earth so much. He's going to make you change and do things because you have uncertainty on whether or not this person likes you or doesn't like you and you want everyone to like you. He can control your behavior and you're going to do certain things because you want to be able to retire at a certain age. And and if you can have uncertainty, if you can give someone uncertainty about their retirement, they'll start doing things different. He's going to make us uncertain about relationships because he knows that if, if he can kind of make us uncertain about our relationships, now he can control how it is that we, we act. Even though we have victory, we'll, we'll almost like look away from that victory, not trust in that victory because we can be controlled through uncertainty. And as you go through this life and it seems like there's a great amount of uncertainty, there isn't uncertainty. The certainty is this. Good has defeated evil and our hope is not in the things of this world, but the world still to come. I'm going to close uh, the message with this. Um, the very beginning days of the war between Russia in the Ukraine, a, uh, uh, the premier uh, warship of the Russian Navy, the Moskva, called out to just a handful of Ukrainian soldiers that were occupying this little piece of land. Um, I think it was called Snake Island. And they announced to them, surrender and you'll live, or don't surrender and you will die. Listen, there's no more uncertainty that can be exerted into someone's life than do this and you'll live and and do this and you'll die. But even in the midst of that uncertainty, they remain certain in what it was their purpose was and what their calling was in life. And so they responded in a way that most people would not respond, and I can't say what they said in church, but it had something to do with doing something to yourself you can't do. And it's still a little unclear as to what happened to them if they were killed, if, if they're prisoners, or if they were uh, killed even after becoming prisoners. But what's interesting is, is that same ship with over just uh, an immense amount of power over against them with what they had, that ship now is at the bottom of the sea.
even in the midst of an uncertain time, they were very certain on what their purpose was and what their calling was, and they did not budge. As we celebrate Easter, as Satan will throw so much uncertainty at all of us, as, as it seems like evil is, is still alive and well, you must have certainty that, in fact, it has, and that regardless of what happens, in the midst of uh, death or life, angels or demons, food or no food, uh, you know, persecution or no persecution, we will stand firm in what it is that we know and what we believe. And that is, if God is for us, who can be against us? For the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia. Amen. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Almighty God, we just thank and praise you for this, uh, this day to, to celebrate. We come and celebrate every Sunday because every Sunday is a day in which we celebrate the resurrection from the dead, but especially this day. We just thank and praise you, gracious God, for forgiveness. We thank and praise you for hope. And as we are in a world in which so oftentimes it still seems so incredibly cruel and so incredibly challenging, so much pain, so much heartache, so much suffering, so much evil, I just pray, gracious God, that we would never doubt for one second that, in fact, evil has been defeated. We all eagerly await that final battle of Armageddon, and, and when Evil is no longer going to be in our presence. But until that day, help us to stand firm and to be confident, to not, to not even waver in, in the most fierce of um, storms that are before us, trusting in you in the hope of the life that is to come. Thanks be to your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.